We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode, a draft night episode of Candlestick Chronicles, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee with me. Again, it's Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, the pick is in. It's Nick Bosa. What's your take? I think it's a perfect pick for the 49ers. I was a little bit afraid that they were going to overthink it and and maybe go Quinn and Williams. And I think Williams is a fine player, but uh, John Lynch said it in his in his uh, post-draft press conference. Uh, they were even, but Nick Bosa checked the box of filling a need, uh, filling a bigger need. And I think I think it was absolutely the right pick. Well, you know what uh, what Nick Bosa needs now, Kyle? Let me know, man. Uh, he could use some life insurance because as an NFL player, as the number two overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft, life can be stressful. Boy, but, getting, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. Hopefully Nick Bosa can afford it. I think he can. Uh, at getethos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply 
and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family and in most cases with ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S.com. Getethos.com. Getethos.com. This is Mike McGlinchey of the San Francisco 49ers, and you're listening to the Candlestick Chronicle. Okay. So we're back. Uh, yeah, the Niners have finally made their pick. It's Nick Bosa, defensive end out of Ohio State. They have five first-round picks along their defensive line now. Um, and I think you and I are both in agreement that Bosa was a good pick. I think there were some interesting things said by Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch after the fact. Um, like you mentioned, they had Queen and Williams and Nick Bosa uh, graded relatively evenly, and John Lynch said he, he took a step back and looked at the roster and noticed that Hey, we have DeForest Buckner. We have Eric Armstead. Uh, we have Solomon Thomas, who we can touch on in, in a second. Um, all these are interior pass rushers, and if we have our choice, we should get another defensive end to complement D Ford and, and bookend the defensive line on the other side. So they did that with Nick Bosa, arguably the best defensive prospect in the draft. Uh, I think 49ers fans are are by and large happy about this. I think you go back a year or so when you know, we go this time last year, it was widely expected that Bosa would be the top prospect available, even after uh, playing only three games last year and missing the final 11 because of core muscle surgery. Bosa still remained atop the board of, of the 49ers, in essence. And so they come away with their guy. And now we can say, after years and years of the 49ers needing edge rushers, they have two potentially really good ones. And to at least one really good interior pass rusher into Forrest Buckner. So I think the 49ers come out of this smelling like a rose. And um, after months and months of speculation, everything that we thought we knew ended up being true. And Kyler Murray went first overall. And the 49ers preferred Nick Bosa to Queen and Williams. Quinn and Williams. Um, and that's that. Two months of buildup for not a whole lot of excitement. In terms of um, the unsuspected happening, like last year when the Niners took Mike McGlinchey. But uh, Nick Bosa will be introduced tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this at 10 p.m. on Thursday night. I just got home from Levi's Stadium. Kyle, you just got home from hosting your draft party. Tell me how that went. Or sorry, a draft event with your radio show. Not a yeah, party. Was, you were working hard. Yeah, I was. It was uh, just a two-hour show that started at 7. Uh, went right up to 9 o'clock, which is about right about the time the draft ended. Uh, leading up to seven o'clock, I did a bunch of writing and during the show, during breaks, I did a bunch of writing. Uh, it was good. It was, it was really, really successful. And that fits really well with the theme of the night for the 49ers, because outside of getting Nick Bosa, who we talked about like ad nauseum as being a perfect pick for them. When you look at what happened through the rest of the first round, uh, two wide receivers taken one defensive back, that's sensational for San Francisco. I don't think they could have drawn it up a lot better. Yeah, there are a lot of cornerbacks still available, a lot of safety still available, a lot of receivers still available. There are even some offensive linemen still available. A lot of guys that uh, mm -hmm. everyone expected, not everyone, but a lot of people expected to go in the first round are still going to be available when the 49ers pick at 36. Um, but I, I do want to stick on Bosa for a little bit um, because, like sure. I mentioned, I, I thought Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch both said interesting things. 
Um, Shanahan finally, and and this might not be a, a huge deal to the outside world, but he finally admitted really that Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas are better off on the inside as interior pass rushers because before tonight it had always been, you know, the company line was, well, we really like these guys' versatility. And one and one of the things that we like about them is they can line up on the outside and be effective and line up on the inside and be effective. Well, that we've, we've come to learn that that's probably not true, particularly in the case of Solomon Thomas. So it, Pro Football Talk reported Thursday morning that the 49ers were shopping Solomon Thomas. So Eric Branch of the San Francisco Chronicle asked John Lynch about that report specifically uh, during the press conference, which actually happened surprisingly in the middle of the first round. Um, usually how the draft goes, uh, the, the 49ers would make their pick and then they would keep working and then have their press conference sort of after the first round ended. Today, it, w- it happened, I think we went into the auditorium where they, the Niners do their press conferences in Levi Stadium, like when the 10th pick was happening, the 8th or 9th, something, something like that. And so it, it became clear the 49ers were not going to trade back into the first round. Be- and, and one of the things John Lynch joked about was, well, we only have six picks. We don't really have the ammunition to, to make a move like that. So, um, but that aside, he, he categorically denied that the 49ers were, in, were shopping Solomon Thomas. Now, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say he's a liar, but would it surprise anybody if the 49ers actually did make some calls and, and maybe feel out what his value might be? I think it's definitely possible. The 49ers now have five offensive linemen who are drafted in the first round, and there obviously isn't going to be enough playing time to go around if, if everybody's healthy. Defensive, and Thomas, line. defensive line. And, and, and Solomon Thomas needs more snaps, and they're going to be hard for him to come by. But as we know, like health is a major issue with this team. So it shouldn't be expected for everyone to stay healthy. Yeah. And a deep defensive line isn't a bad thing. I mean, no. Solomon Thomas may not get a ton of snaps. It's not ideal for a number three overall pick, but uh, if he can fit in as a rotational player and be effective that way, I mean, that's, that's fine. But I think you're absolutely right. It would, it would be prudent for the 49ers to, to make a few calls and see if there's any value for him, because maybe you stumble on a team, uh, like Washington, who has a really good defensive line and a good defensive line coach, and Jim Tom Sula that says, "Yeah, we can get something out of him." Here's a fifth, right? You just you don't know unless you make that call. So yeah, and and Thomas is going to make seven point seven million this year against the salary cap, which is a ton of money for essentially a backup uh, mm-hmm. defensive lineman. But um, it's interesting that the 49ers have finally come clean with the idea now that they have two legitimate defensive ends that Thomas is better on the inside. So I'm expecting Nick Bosa to be a three down guy. Kyle Shanahan said essentially the same thing. I think D Ford is, is not a good, a particularly good run defender. So I think he might only play in sub packages as a pass rushing defensive end. Nick Bosa is really good against the run, which is one of the reasons why he was such a highly regarded prospect. So he can be your Leo in in the the base downs when the 49ers have five guys up front. Um, and then you can have Eric Armstead as your big end and then DeForest Buckner at, at defensive tackle and, and DJ Jones at nose tackle or however you want to do it. It's very clear now exactly how the 49ers are going to put together their defensive line. And Kyle Shanahan even said, like, it's been kind of confusing. Just the fact that like we we have guys that can play inside and outside, but there isn't really a clearly defined role for all these guys yet. Like the 49ers have had all this talent on the defensive line, but it hasn't been super effective because those roles haven't really been completely differentiated. And you're asking all these guys to learn multiple positions. And I think that's one of the reasons that Solomon Thomas has struggled in his first two seasons is that he hasn't been nailed down to one spot. 
So maybe now that happens for him and now he could start really developing, uh, getting the reps that he needs. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> what was the other, the, uh, and Kyle Shanahan sort of, uh, t- he mentioned again, um, you know, he thinks that, and I asked him about the secondary and that, you know, the secondary struggled last year. The 49ers can obviously still address a secondary with their remaining picks in this draft. But he thinks just adding D Ford, adding Nick Bosa, um, getting those guys to complement DeForest Buckner, that they can improve defensively, particularly against the pass in a significant way that would make their secondary look a lot better. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me that he said is that the hardest thing to go against is a good defensive line, which... I think that's sort of a controversial opinion in, in today's NFL and the way people look at it, because I know a lot of people are saying that uh, it's more like coverage is more valuable. And, and I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I think it depends on the system that you run. And I think it depends on your coaching staff. Uh, if you have Bill Belichick, who is a master at devising game plans and putting together different coverages for for different offenses then yeah coverage in that sense might be more valuable but when you run a more basic scheme like the 49ers do cover three a lot of zone uh, I think it's more imperative to to take away those windows the quarterbacks have against the zone by by speeding up their process via the pass rush so John Lynch said he echoed what he said about D Ford he said Nick Bosa has one of the best first steps we've seen uh, he said that uh, Kyle Shanahan told him that Nick Bosa looks like he's been pass rushing since he was three years old, which is kind of a funny line. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of lineage. Obviously, Nick's dad was a first round pick. Uh, Nick's uncle on his mom's side was a first round pick. His brother Joey was a first round pick. So there's, I mean, it's really hard to knock this pick from a purely from a pure football standpoint. But I think, uh, and we can talk about this too. There's there are risks, I guess. Uh, involved in Nick in in Nick Bosa's social media and maybe political views, which we touched on a little bit earlier this week, um, and we talked about that with Bosa and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch too. Did you see the uh, the the press conference, or did you did you? Yeah, I got yeah. I just kind of saw highlights on Twitter, and I got to skim the transcripts a little bit. But I've been uh, been doing radio stuff all night, so I haven't really gotten a chance to sit down and and pour over those quite yet. Uh, I, I think a lot of what Bosa said and a lot of what the Niners said about it kind of echoed a little bit what we talked about in the last podcast in that unless some really damning picture surfaced or something like that, they're not going to care what he does on his social media. Uh, they, can he sack the quarterback? Um, and, and I mean, Bosa's explanation was... Uh, I mean, it was fine, I guess. <laughs> um, I, it, yeah. So, it, so what it, happened? At, Nick Bosa had apparently liked a tweet that included racial and homophobic slurs in hashtags. Or I guess it wasn't a tweet; it was an Instagram post. What I didn't realize, because I have gone back and looked at Nick Bosa's recent social media history and haven't found anything wrong, obviously because he scrubbed it, uh, which he admitted to scrubbing recently in in that ESPN feature that came out for the magazine, I want to say last week or the week before that. Um, What ended up happening was Nick Bosa was 16 years old. He liked a picture of his friend with a girl and he said he didn't read the caption and liked it and he regrets it and that 16 year olds do stupid things. 
Um, I agree that 16 year olds do stupid things. I, I don't think it's a good excuse to like things like that. I'm not going to sit here and condone racism and say it's not a problem at all. We should just worry about football because I've covered this team and I've seen what Colin Kaepernick's uh, entire saga ha- has sort of impacts the way football can go. Um, and obviously we lived in very political, politically charged times. I don't want to get too much into that, but it can be a story if it bleeds over into the locker room. But my sense is after asking Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and talking to Nick Bosa a little bit on the conference call with all the other reporters today is that this is sort of an issue of the past. And I personally am not expecting it to, to prop up anymore. I think there's a chance, it, you know, it sounds like Nick Bosa is enlightened to the idea of maybe expanding his worldview, maybe living in a place that's going to, you know, challenge his political beliefs, not necessarily in a bad way, but maybe he opens his mind a little bit. I'm sure uh, being teammates with Richard Sherman, among other guys, could could potentially, um, you know, have an impact on the way he views the world. Not, not that I think he necessarily needs to, but in the context of being right. in a locker room on a football team, that type of stuff can be important. Right, and that's that's where the important thing for me here is, uh, from a football standpoint, is there was a lot of positive reaction from 49ers players on Twitter welcoming Nick Bosa to the team. Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, George Kittle, uh, Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, all those guys, uh, Adrian Colbert, Nick Mullins, all those guys reaching out on Twitter and saying, yo, welcome to the team, happy to have you, blah, blah, blah. That speaks volumes. If if it was going to be an issue, if his if his social media habits were going to be an issue, I don't think that that those guys would have reached out in that way. Correct. And so I, I asked John Lynch because he mentioned it on Monday in his pre-draft availability. He's like, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I will say I'm pretty convinced that Nick Bosa is a revered teammate. And so I asked him about about that and and what he didn't really want to explain to us on Monday because it was before the draft and, um, you know, he just didn't want to get into those details. But him and Adam Peters, a 49ers personnel executive, uh, before the 49ers played uh, week 17 against the Rams, they went to an Ohio State practice uh, while they're gearing up for the Rose Bowl. And they didn't go thinking they would see Nick Bosa. They went because uh, there are going to be a lot of prospects you know, on Ohio State's team, I think they're probably going to end up having five or six guys drafted, something like that. And they just went to go check that out because they were in town and that's what you do. And Nick Bosa ended up showing up to practice because he was staying with his brother, Joey. He was rehabbing his core muscle injury in LA, living with his brother, um, sort of getting his, his feet wet in terms of, you know, being a professional football player through osmosis, just by living with his brother and, and doing all that. Nick showed, Nick and Joey show up to practice. Actually, I'm not sure if Joey was there. I'm, I think he was there, but I know Nick was there, obviously. Uh, Nick shows up to practice and John Lynch and Adam Peters are there and the entire practice stops. And John Lynch said every teammate, every coach, every uh, student assistant, uh, member of the training staff, went over to talk to talk to Nick and and you know see him and and say what's up and give him some dap or whatever you know football players do when you haven't seen somebody for a while and what John Lynch said is like that was the indelible thing like he seems like a good teammate um, and and everyone they spoke with you know they they talked to a ton of his teammates the, the strength the strength coach the his position coach Larry Johnson like we mentioned um, all the reports the 49ers got were that Nick Bosa was a good teammate and they saw the proof of that with the way they reacted to him surprising him, surprising them at the Rose Bowl practice. And so, 
you know, I think if if his teammates thought he was a racist, that probably wouldn't be an issue, right? Like if his political mm-hmm. beliefs impacted the team in a negative way, that obviously wouldn't have happened because Bosa was in a situation where he left the team because he was injured to have surgery to rehab in preparation for the NFL draft rather than rehab a little bit more quickly to return to his team for a potential college football playoff run, right? So this guy leaves, he comes back, and instead of everyone being pissed at him because he didn't help them, you know, reach their goals of of getting to the playoff, uh, you know, they weren't upset with him. Uh, They were excited to see him. They all hugged him and dapped him up and all that. And and so that really stuck to John Lynch. And that was at the very beginning of the process. This is at the end of the football season, before the combine, before official 30 visits and all that. So everything the 49ers have gathered in the meantime indicates to them that they're comfortable with Nick Bosa as a person and as a potential teammate. And like you said, the outpouring that, that the 49ers gave him on social media, um, I think, does speak volumes. And, and honestly... After this week, I'm not expecting the political stuff to really be an issue. It sounds like he's, I mean, he said it multiple times. He's going to keep his political viewpoints to himself. Uh, I think this Twitter stuff, his social media stuff has been such a problem for him leading up to the draft that he doesn't want to have to deal with it anymore. And like I said, with a teammate like Richard Sherman, if he was to, uh, you know, step out of line in that sense, I think Sherman wouldn't be shy about you know, I mean, I'm just speculating, sure. but I'm, I'm guessing Sherman wouldn't be shy about that. So I'm not expecting this to be a problem or a talking point anymore. And uh, and I think after tomorrow, when Nick Bosa comes to the Bay Area and is officially introduced to, to us in the, the local media, I think it's it's going to be an issue of the past. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. So. Uh, like you said, the 49ers, before we just wrap up this this real quick episode, they're in a really good spot after the first round of the draft because, like you mentioned, a lot of good players are still on the board. Um, and some unexpected names got called in round one, which means some players that we thought would go in the first round are going to be available in round two. And the 49ers have the fourth pick, 36 overall, in this round. So quickly, um, do you want to go through a list of, of, of players who, who are available or I have, I have it in front of me if we want to do that? Sure. I've got, I've got a list here as well. Go for it. Uh, so some of the top players available um, to one guy that jumps off the page to me is AJ Brown. Somebody we talked about the wide receiver from Ole Miss. We talked about him possibly going in the first round. Uh, you speculated that he could slide out of the first round, which he did. Um, I, I think that, that when you look at the receiver class, it's very deep. And the fact that so many guys are still available, I think the Niners might actually skip that spot uh, with the number 36 pick. Uh, the defensive back group that's still there, both at safety and corner, is uh, is very deep as well, though. I, I, I have a really hard time thinking the Niners miss. Like, I'm trying to pick out one player right now to kind of highlight and there's just so many good players. Like, right. So Jawan Ta- Taylor, tackle out of Florida. A lot of people thought he'd be a top 10, top 15 pick. Yeah. Uh, I know offensive line is, isn't is isn't really going to excite a lot of people, but the 49ers have to think about finding a replacement for Joe Staley at some point. Uh, and if they f- think one of these guys could potentially replace Staley and maybe play guard in the meantime or work as a swing tackle in the meantime, then I wouldn't be surprised if they if they went tackle a year before it's a super pressing need because you you might rather do that like find a tackle with a 36 pick 
this year than use a first round pick next year or give out a Trent Brown type contract to a free agent mm-hmm. next year. Um, so there's Juwan Taylor, there's DK Metcalf, who you and I don't think fits with the 49ers at all. But, um, but if you find a receiver like Metcalf, let's say they trade back from 36, which is something you speculated they might do anyways. And now I think mm-hmm. that's even more of a possibility just with, with the fact there's so many DBs and wide receivers left. Right. If they want to trade out of 36, let's say they go to 42, 43, and DK Metcalf just keeps falling. Like, I think at that point, you just you go value, right, with, with the upside he has? Maybe. I'm still skeptical. Like, okay. I, I have a hard time, and it's possible, but I just have a hard time with think believing that Kyle Shanahan would draft a receiver who who sure. was so limited in, in what he did, even though Metcalf is a complete physical superhuman. But um, so there's also Greedy Williams, uh, Paris Campbell, A.J. Brown, like you mentioned, Cody Ford, another offensive lineman out of Oklahoma, um, somebody who played guard and right tackle in school. And maybe the 49ers think about him at right guard in the meantime, and then maybe he moves to right tackle and Mike McGlinchey moves to the left side when Staley hangs it up. Uh, Dalton Reisner, Kansas State tackle. Um, Debo Samuel, obviously. Byron Murphy, corner from Washington, interesting player. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from Florida, safety, defensive back, sort of a, a Jimmy Ward type, but might be somebody who the 49ers think about at free safety. Rocky Sin, a really physical, tough corner from Temple. Uh, Juan Thornhill from Virginia, the safety we've talked about a lot. There are a lot of guys at 36 that the 49ers could potentially target. And yeah, I I, I know I made the, the quasi-prediction earlier in the week that I think they trade down from 36. As you mentioned, because so many of these guys are still available in round two, I think it's even more likely. And, and John Lynch joking about, oh, we only have six... We only have five picks left. We're not going to trade back into the first round. I, I think the 49ers, I, I think it's kind of clear that they would like to have more than the five picks they have remaining. So trading back from 36, maybe getting an extra second rounder or a third rounder would make a ton of sense. And uh, and so far, I mean, just one day into the draft, they the Niners got their pass rusher. They have options on the table. Uh, it should be an interesting next couple of days. Yeah, I, I, I'm really intrigued to see what they do at 26 because that'll obviously set the table for what they're going to do the rest of the way. I think they're going to be in an interesting conundrum. Number The number two pick was easy. They had Bosa. He had separated himself. He was their guy. But at they knew that for weeks. Right. Maybe even that practice in December, they knew that. <laughs> right. So they, they've known for a while Bosa was going to be the guy, but now they're going to sit there at 36. They're going to have the option... They're going to potentially have the option of trading back and, like you said, picking up uh, maybe a mid-round pick and a late-round pick to slide back in the second round and maybe still get a quality player. But they're going to have a really high-end, maybe like first-round talent available at 36. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you trade back and risk maybe losing out on a on a first-round talent, uh, or do you just or do you just go with the best player available that that fits a need and and call it good? Yeah, and like we've said, I think the meat of this draft is going to be tomorrow and early on Saturday. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think uh, I think that's all we got. This is just going to be a real truncated episode. I'm going to finish my uh, Sonoma County India Pale Ale that I'm that I've been love that nursing during this episode. Um, hopefully, we can get this up early for you guys Friday morning, so you guys have something to listen to before day two starts. 
I think it's going to start at 4 p.m. Nick Bosa is going to be introduced to the local media at 2.30. 2.30. Yep, Nick Bosa in the Levi's Stadium Auditorium at 2.30. So 49ers fans will have, uh, I'm sure there will be photos of him all in, decked out with a helmet. And I'm curious to see if he gets... Um, if he gets Dakota Watson's number 97, I'd imagine Watson will give that up for him. Um, But you and I were both big Jersey number guys. I think 97 will be a good fit for him. Obviously it's a strong, I think 97 is a strong number for sure. Yeah. Um, So we will talk to you guys later. I think we're going to wrap up the, uh, the entire draft with another episode on Saturday. So we will talk about the 49ers remaining five picks, or maybe they get more than five picks if they do end up trading down. So, Uh, Thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles, a special first-round edition of the NFL Draft, following the NFL Draft. Uh, We will talk to you guys Saturday, and enjoy enjoy watching the extensive coverage uh, of rounds two through seven.